Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, this is episode three of To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm Erica Pierce, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Trexler. Eric, how you doing this week? I'm great. Episode three. I feel like it's been three weeks. <laughs> it, it most certainly has. So this one's going to be a, a good one, a really good one. Not that the other two have not been, um, because we have a guest, George Camus, who is Force Point Chief Technology Officer of the federal arm of their business. And George is going to talk to us about the federal government's Raise the Bar Cybersecurity Initiative. Welcome, George. Thanks, Erica. Good and, to be here. And you're lucky you're our first guest uh, of the podcast. So All right. <laughs> you're, you're setting the tone. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes. Okay. George, why don't we get started? This is to the point, and we'd like to get directly to the point. So tell us about the federal government's recent initiative that's called Raise the Bar. What is it? Where did it come from? Why is it in place? What does it mean to you? All right. It's a lot of information, Eric, but hold on. So Raise the Bar, or RTB, is a national security agency and unified cross-domain services management office, or UCDSMO, pretty big acronym, initiative to improve the security robustness of cross-domain solutions in the community. Note that the UCDSMO, that long algorithm, will become the National Cross-Domain Service Management Office, or the NCDSMO, in the near future. We've been waiting for that some, for some time, and hopefully that will make a change shortly. So Raise the Bar was put in place because the ever-increasing cyber threat, as we see it today, the Office of Secretary of Defense has deemed that cross-domain solutions as high-risk components in the infrastructure, and they have asked the National Security Agency and the NCDSMO to take a more proactive approach of increasing the security robustness in these systems. And Eric, some people listening to this podcast are hearing a lot of acronyms and may be wondering what are CDSs or cross-domain solutions. Well, they're high-assurance gateways that are specifically meet designed to meet the U.S. government's security requirements to exchange information at different security levels, separating data and networks between unclassified, secret, secret and top secret, et cetera. By the nature of their applications, they must be extremely robust from a security point of view owing to the connectivity they provide, and we cannot afford to have data spills from higher classification levels down to lower classification levels or penetration or even malware from low to high. So we need to be very, very concerned about these solutions. So and if we were talking to my mother or, or somebody not in the business, what does that really mean? So we have two different domains at two different security levels. People at secret are cleared people that have or have been approved to handle very sensitive information. That sensitive information cannot be spilled down to, say, a person at the unclassified level. It's protected as such. And in order to provide electronic sharing of information, which is required, um, we need to put these cross-domain uh, solutions in place. And those solutions must be robust enough to prevent hackers from breaking in and stealing that information or or having that information accidentally be um, sent down to a lower level. Can you so give me a couple of use cases, like a couple of examples where cross domain is in play today, something okay. the general population can relate to? 
Hmm. I like using a physical analogy. If you look at your house, you might have a fence out front and a, a, a lock on your door and you probably have a deadbolt, maybe alarm system. And it provides a good level of assurance to protect your stuff inside. But if you go into a government facility, specifically Department of Defense or intelligence community, you'll see they have armed guards. They check your credentials before entering in. When you go in, you may have to go through a metal detector. They also have to check you against a roster of pre-cleared people to make sure that you have the adequate clearances to go in. So there's many physical checks in place before you're allowed into those offices where you could do um, something at the classified level. A cross-domain solution is just like that, but it is an electronic enforcement of that. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So, so would an example be maybe a radar system that is classified, but people looking at the output from that on the unclass side and, and being able to pass that data? Absolutely. So uh, a military-grade radar system might bring, um, um, present information at a classified level because of the sensitivity of it and its capabilities. However, you may want to push that data down or what we call taking it from the secret level down to the unclassified to say the FAA so they can look at the data. They may not need the same resolution that uh, the radar offers at the military grade level. They just need to see the planes in there and what their altitude and speed is. A cross domain solution could broker that. Got it. Erica, is this making sense to yeah, you? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I like that you said explain it to your, your like your mom is listening or if I were listening. So I, I understand. So that, that makes That's sense. That's the way I always <laughs> I always look at these problems in that way because that way we're getting down to the to the nuts and bolts. Right. Yeah. Right. And one thing I want to talk about too is with raise the bar. It's an expansion of the government's requirements that you can find in the NIST controls for cross-domain solutions. And the government's been working since this since 2015. And even though they're not officially mandated of yet, they pushed the draft out and they're pushing this hard that these cross-domain solutions need to meet these new higher standard requirements to um, operate within the government. How long have we been doing cross-domain in the government? Oh, I've been at it for close to 25 years. Um, so ever since we've had networks running or even computer systems run at different classification levels, we need to protect that information at the higher levels, as well as being able to share that data that we can release to the lower levels. Um, so that's where cross-domain solutions came about. If we had um, disconnected networks, um, we, we saw that 9-11, that presents problems, um, especially for a warfighter or to alert uh, civilian agencies that impending threat is coming. That's why cross-domain solutions are important. We need to be able to share this information, but we need to be able to share it securely. And at its essence, raise the bar is really just raising the standards for cross-domain solutions to make Correct. them more robust, more secure. Absolutely. And, and George, you, you said it's not mandated, right? But it's it's agencies need to be compliant. So if I am running an, you know, an agency, what do I need to do exactly? I mean, how do I make sure that I'm, I'm raising the, the bar at my my respective agency? Well, as an agency, you may want to deploy a cross domain solution or have one currently in place. Uh, this is a big push. Um, Secretary, the Office of Secretary of Defense has, has said that we need to take a really close look at this stuff. We make them, need to make it more robust from a security point of view. Raise the bar gives us new requirements to adhere to to meet that. And if you're an agency, 
If you are not raised the bar compliant, there's a good chance that one, they will not allow you to install a cross domain solution that's not raised the bar compliant. Mm -hmm. Or two, if you have one running and it's not raised the bar compliant, they might ask you to disconnect it and replace it with one that is. So that's why it's really important. Are you stating that as a CIO, I, I could buy a cross domain solution and a year later be told that if it's not raised the bar compliant, I have to buy something else or upgrade it? Well, fortunately, they're pushing out the raise the bar requirements to CIOs, so there is some awareness of it. However, if you are a CIO and you bought a cross-domain solution three years ago and it's not compliant, if it's not continuing to increase its security posture as the way that the NSA and the, the UCDSMO wants it, there's a good chance that it could be shut down. And wow. from an operational point of view, you do not want that to have happen. You do not want that. Because that, that impacts mission then, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, George, in terms of um, Force Point's role in, in raise, the, um, raise the Bar, I, I know you guys have been working in partnership with the government on this. Can you tell me a little bit, a little bit more about how that's going or how your cross-domain solution intersects with the initiative? Yeah, so... Over the past six years, we've made a, a, content, a concerted effort to work more closely with the government, in particular the National Security Agency and the NCDSMO. And the reason for that is, is two or threefold. First, they're now providing some really good guidance for CDS requirements, and we're embracing that. Previously, you know, I, I mentioned I've been in the cross-domain business for 25 years. We haven't been getting really good, solid requirements. We get these NIST controls and so forth, but not really good requirements. And we're starting to get that from the government. And um, as we develop our systems or upgrade existing systems, we consult with their subject matter experts to make sure that we're in line with them. And the reason for that is when we take these systems through the process, say the SABI process, they have an understanding of how our systems work. They've had, they put their, their signature on it as in the way of input. And that helps us get the, the system through. And as we Hold on, know, Hold on. my mom just called. She wants to know what SABI means. <laughs> Took the words right. out of my mouth. <laughs> Good, I, I, am, I apologize for that, a lot of You know you're a deep technologist. So SABI is secret and below initiative. And it generically refers to the secret and below our secret and unclassified market where a, a mass majority of cross-domain solutions are used. Uh, there's another community called TSABI, which is the top secret and below. And even though they have similar requirements, they're, they're, they're not as um, hard because of the risk level. So I, I don't know how to explain this to your grandmother, but <laughs> at least that's the definition of what SABI and TSABI are. And in order to get through that SABI process, they took a very, they take a very hard look at the cross-domain solutions to make sure that they're um, very robust from a security point of view. And that includes embracing the raise the bar requirements. So with SABI, secret and below, really what we're looking at is how do we get data or access from a secret network to an unclassed network? Correct. Or how do we get data from an unclassed network or access data mm -hmm. up to a secret level network? Is that what you're Correct. talking about? Yep. Yep. And okay. as you can only imagine, that unclassified network is connected to the Internet. And everyone is, including your grandmother, is connected to that Internet. And because everyone is connected to it, we need to build a much stronger barrier to prevent 
bad folks on the internet from entering our classified networks. And and George, in terms of um, just the need for cross-domain solutions, I mean, and this, the unclassified secret, all the various levels of of network security, that's across all government agencies. I think immediately we always think of, you know, agencies like CIA and and such, but really I think even um, I can imagine at, you know, HHS, IRS, they all would need these type of solutions. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It's not only Department of Defense and Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, et cetera. It's also the intelligence community, but also there's many components within the government that process classified information. Treasury, Department of Homeland Security. There's a wide range of information out there that the government needs to protect. And we also see that um, to include our Five Eyes partners of Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand. Wow. Well, we learned a lot today. That that was that was great. Um, so we want to keep going over. We, we're trying to always keep under 15 minutes or less. And I wanted to get a take from both of you on a recent article that I read um, on whether or not the government should have a approach to cybersecurity that's more in line with infectious diseases. So it's an article that was in Behavioral Scientists. And essentially what it says is that um, the government takes a, hand, a hands-off approach to cybersecurity in terms of um, its, its citizens. As in, um, you know, when you think about infectious disease, let's say Ebola, that was the first one that came to my mind when I read the article. We got tons of notices, tons of um, information that came out about if you were on this flight, if you did this, this is how you should react. And so the, um, the authors of this article are, are saying that cybersecurity should have sort of the same approach in terms of what's put out and protected by the government in order to continue contain an attack. And so it was a, a little bit of a, uh, an interesting, I, I thought, read and was curious to get the thoughts from both of you. Um, George, I know you had some immediate thoughts and we don't have a lot of time left, but just All wanted right. to get your take. Should sure. government have an infectious disease approach to cybersecurity? So I think the government does a real good job protecting its own uh, networks and, you know, using cross-domain solutions as, as part of that. But I, I think they could help out from an education point of view. We, we all need to have better cyber awareness, and the government could certainly assist on better informing the citizens and making them more cyber aware. And regarding to treating it like an infectious disease, I, I also think we're doing a good job there with software patching. When the exploit is found with software, a fix is made, then we publicly acknowledge it um, before, you know, we don't want to acknowledge the vulnerability before the patch is, is, is available, but the patch is available and it's sort of like a flu shot. You need to apply that patch. If, if you don't want to catch the flu, you should get a flu shot. If you don't want to get hacked, you need to patch your software. Um, And a number of software vendors are doing automatic software patching, and that's a really good thing. So, Eric, I don't know if you have any uh, insight on this or any uh, commentary, but please chime in. 30 seconds, Eric, what's your take? I'll be real quick. I I agree in many ways. I actually wrote an op-ed piece in the the spring comparing the – the flu and cybersecurity. And I I think there are a lot of similarities that we can play off of. For instance, isolation. Mm -hmm. In the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, we learned to isolate the population from the sick. We learned to wash our hands, going back to, you know, good cyber hygiene. But we've been talking about raise the bar. We've been talking about cross-domain. Isolation of networks in the government space works very effectively to keep the viruses, if you will, malware, 
off of our critical network systems when it works, when they isolate properly. We can take the same approach. In fact, one of the things that Forcepoint is doing is launching a data guard to do that for IT and OT networks in the commercial space. Keep your operational technology, your OT, separate from your IT, your information technology. So I think there is a lot to learn. It's not a perfect mm-hmm. analogy, but I think it can work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good points, Eric. Good points. And I also a firm believer of network segmentation with a strong border in between to prevent these, you know, these flu-like symptoms from spreading. <laughs> Very similar to the quarantine in a hospital or a face, an N95 face mask. Absolutely. And also just get your flu shot. We are entering flu season, so I'll put a plug in there. <laughs> I already did. Thanks, guys. And, and patch your systems. And patch your systems. Well, thank you both. This was great. Thanks, George. Uh, thanks, Eric. We, this was a great episode. So thank you to all our listeners, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it, Erica. Thanks, George. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 